And that is the key. We're looking for who or what are they putting their hope for redemption yeah. or restoration? Like my life would just be awesome if this were to happen. Because That's we know it. if it's yeah. not in Christ ultimately and our hope for our provision and our identity and our value and all that, our, li our very lives is not in Christ, then it's just on shaky, weird ground. And we're, we're gonna move blame around and. That's why we, you know, we talk about spiritual freedom and relational peace that comes. When you're listening this way, it's so much different because this is discipleship, right? Helping people move from unbelief to belief. And this yeah. is so very different then. I'm waiting for my in to transition to like a four spiritual laws conversation. It, it's yeah. so different than that. It it's is. actually, you can actually speak good news. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Okay, good to be back together. I really love doing this. What a privilege to get to be with you every week. I hope you listen every week, and I hope you've been sharing the podcast out a little bit. I got to tell you, this week, I'm feeling a little bit changed, like I'm changing as I'm reading a certain book. Maybe you've read this book. It's Bono's book called Surrender. Uh, he, it's called Surrender, 40 Songs, One Story. I'm not the biggest U2 fan in the whole world. Like, I like U2 a lot. I can name a ton of songs. I got a lot of their records. But I'm not, I don't worship at the altar of U2 or Bono. I have some friends that are close to that. But I was encouraged by a lot of different sources that I would like this book. So I got it. And I have to tell you, it is so beautifully written and poetic and so full of faith. And really, the gospel in action is what I see time and time again, though it's not wrapped up in evangelical language that I feel like I am being changed. I'm moving from unbelief to belief in some areas as I read each chapter. I've even been reading parts of this out loud to Tina because it's just so beautifully worded. Or I go, isn't that a gentle, beautiful way to express that idea of our faith or whatever? So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. I am loving that book. Hey, could you do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast and whatever podcast listening world you use your part of or whatever would you subscribe that way you'll not miss an episode and we could do this weekly hangout and leave a review too i know that the vast majority of folks listen on their phones and they listen through an apple device or through itunes or apple podcasts i think as it's called these days you can leave reviews there and it helps other people find the podcast so if you're being blessed by this podcast if you're finding value and encouragement and some new ways of living and understanding and expressing the gospel would you go ahead and leave a review just saying that and i will read it on the show i really i would love to now i know it's it's costly it's gonna it's gonna take you pausing this right now for about 20 or 30 seconds and then having to figure out how apple lets you leave a review but you'll figure it out i have great faith in you i would love it if you would do that <laughs> all right thanks hey and i want to invite you to join me and my wife tina in our everyday disciple makers coaching experience where we want to help you personally live a life of spiritual freedom and, and be released from a Christianity that's based primarily on behavioral modification and sin management. You're going to experience relational peace with others, 
and you'll be set free to be and watch your relationships start to heal. I promise. That's what we've been experiencing with so many others in our coaching. And we'll give you a full framework for discipleship that fits everyday life, your life. No more guessing at what to do or how to lead others to make disciples. Now, Tina and I coach as couples. You probably know that if you listen to the show regularly. We coach as couples, and we love to coach couples in this experience. And we'll help you get on the same page with your spouse and family spiritually and missionally more than ever. All the people we coach say that same thing. I've never been this much on the same page spiritually with my spouses now. Even though we've not been far apart on things, this is just bringing us together and bringing the kids into all this and how we express all this. You're going to grow in your ability to see and speak and experience the gospel in all the normal stuff of life and in everyday conversations with others. That's what we call gospel fluency. We talk a lot about that here on the podcast. Now, last month we opened up this new coaching for registration, but we had to close it down for a while as we started helping a whole bunch of new couples get started in all of this. And it's been, what a blessing. Some of you are listening. Blessings on you. We're so grateful to be on this journey together. But we had to shut that down for a short period, but now we're reopening registration just for a little while. We have 10 spaces for couples, and I'd love it for you to be one of them. You ready to get started? If so, Join me on a discovery call so I can get to know a bit of your story and your disciple-making journey so far and see if this new coaching that we're offering would be a good fit for you as well. What do you say? There's a uh, way to get on my calendar. Uh, real easy. It's my personal calendar. You can grab a convenient time for this discovery call. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash discovery. Yep, everydaydisciple.com forward slash discovery. And... uh We'll set up a, ta- a time to talk and just see if it's a good fit. Okay, now today I want to share a conversation that I had recently with a great disciple-making practitioner who I know is going to be a super big encouragement as you get to meet my friend Terry Miller. Now, Tina and I met Terry and his wife, Christine, through coaching. They were in coaching with us for over two years, and they are what the church world would call missionaries, and that's because they don't live in their homeland. They're from the UK originally. You'll hear more about that. But they've moved to another country to make disciples. But I want you to hear everything that we talk about through the lens and the filter of their lifestyle. They're disciple makers as a family. They live as a family on mission. And that's kind of how they treat their community as well. It's very different than a programmatic sort of missionary life, program to program. So regardless of where you're at or how you're making disciples, This is really very similar to what you get to do in your neighborhood or through your church or local ministry or whatever it is you're doing. You don't have to be in another country to live this way, like what you're going to hear. So anyway, I'm real excited. Let me go ahead and let you listen to my conversation with Terry, and then I'll be back with a few more thoughts and wrap up with the big three. Hey, Terry. How you doing, brother? Hey, fine, Caesar. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, I've got my everyday disciple mug here as well. Kind of, you know, yeah, Look we're at in the you, show. huh? Promoting. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Let's start out. Just tell folks a little bit about you and Christine and where you're at and who's with you and really what your goals are. And uh, and we'll take it from there just so we give a little context for folks. Okay, great. Thanks. Well, just quick bit of background. 
Before we came to Spain, I was working with some churches for 10 years, maybe in a more traditional kind of role. I was a personal evangelist and a youth worker and things like that. But we came out to Spain and we just wanted to live our lives really on mission, but we didn't really know what we were doing in one sense. You know, we learned some stuff over those 10 years uh, and we had a passion for connecting people with Jesus. You know, that was, that was our passion in our heart and to see communities of disciples of Jesus. We didn't really know anything about missional communities. We didn't know anything about the stuff that, that we've learned with, with you, Caesar. So uh, we didn't know any of that stuff either when we started making disciples, no. like as a lifestyle. We didn't, you know? It, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's not something they teach you, even at like kind of seminary and stuff, yeah. Bible college. So for sure. So we, we lived in a village. Um, we moved here for one and a half years to learn the language and the culture to really immerse ourselves in it because we wanted to really say, you know, we don't want to live apart from the culture we want to live. And then it involved in incarnationally with the people. So, so we did a year and a half, just language and cultural adaptation, really under, asking with our limited Spanish, asking people all the questions we could about, about culture and, and understanding it. Then we lived for nine years in one of the villages, um, in a church plant that was already set up there. Um, and then we, then we realized that actually the city is where we needed to be because that's where culture changes. And there was nothing else that was yeah. really connecting with um, people who weren't religious. I think that's where, where God began to put this passion in our hearts for people who would never connect with the traditional church. Terry, that's a lot of people right now. They realize that the folks who are making it to the building on Sunday, they have long ago made a decision for Christ. Yet they're not really living and making disciples, but everybody else out in their city and neighborhoods would probably never come to that building, right? Yeah, they, yeah. They've long ago decided, no, nope, ain't doing that. Yeah, totally. And we even saw it more when we moved here because we just saw that the churches were there not really connecting with people in their neighborhoods. You know, they were kind of just expecting everyone to come into their bubble there. So we just spent a year walking around the city, praying, investigating, going to all the places where people live their lives. So into the bars and the cafes and the music venues and stuff like that. And we began to just see a few key areas where God said, just, yeah, here's a good place to be. Here's a good place to be. So we started to do that. And then we started to just to connect with people, invite people into our house. And, uh, and it went from there, uh, really. Wow. So, I love it, brother. And, and. We've been on this journey together for a couple of years now. So I, we've yeah. watched so much growth and relational building going on. Now we are talking about our gospel listening. It's a part of our gospel fluency as we've learned to mm. tell our own story and, and look at life and situations and heartbreaks and sin and all that through the lens of the four questions and all that. But, but as we've learned to start to listen through the gospel. So listening to the movements of creation, fall, redemption, recreation, or restoration, that gives us a bit of a different insight than just having a straight up conversation and waiting for our in, you know, so that we can do our big gospel presentation or something. It's, it's way more real time. So what are you learning about gospel listening in these relationships? You either be it at a club or at a tapas bar or in your own home or out on your patio with folks. What are you yeah. learning and noticing as you've learned how to listen through the lens of the gospel with folks? Well, I suppose yeah. if I just backtrack to the time, you know, maybe it's well, I don't know, maybe about nine months ago, so when we, we did that for ourselves with you. Uh, we did our own gospel story and 
and then began to to think about that. And and I think one of the things that that I realized then was just I wasn't I was listening and I was wanting to connect people's stories with God's story, but I didn't really know how to do it. You know, so I didn't really know. I was I was going at it with passion and and keenness, but I just couldn't, I didn't really have like a, a scheme to do that, to understand. So I'd say, I'm listening to that story, but how does it actually connect with the gospel story? So even just those four movements, you know, of, of creation, war, redemption, restoration, just getting that in your head for me was a massive step, you know, and, and especially yeah. I think beginning to listen for the, for the, where people are looking for their redemption, you know, because for me, in one sense, those first two movements there of it, if you want to call them movements or sections of people's stories, set it up in one sense for where they're looking for their redemption. Um, and so where they find their identity, you know, we've talked about that. You're listening for that creation story. What we're listening for in gospel listening is you're going like, okay, who or what do they find their, their value in? Like what has given them their sense of self? You can pick up on that in a conversation in in moments generally if if you're yeah, thinking that yeah. way and then the fall in the story as we've learned right is is like so what's the problem or what's the thing that yeah. they think is pushing up against that identity or that value that's that's it well boy does that just open up the, yeah, the conversation it's, it's amazing and it's been really an eye-opener because in one sense it's hard to explain but it feels sometimes when you're in a conversation with someone like it just slows right down and you've got time to just see those, those movements there in their story in a way that perhaps I didn't, didn't see before, obviously. And so, so we're looking, we're really saying, you know, what is that person looking uh, for? What are they looking to for their identity? What, you know, what are they, what are they hoping will, will, will give them that meaning and that significance in life? Um, and. And quite often it will not come out so obviously necessarily. Then no one's going to say, "Hey, I'm look, I'm looking for my identity in right, this." You know, right, they're, right. They're not going to do that. But it's just little, little kind of uh, piece. That's what's that English from translate from Spanish? Little clues, really, mm-hmm. that they come out with the way that they 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 use their language. You know, if they're talking about well, what what they're aiming to do for this year, then you're looking what to see well. How, how does that make sense? What are they actually seeking? What are they looking for to, 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 to restore them back into their identity? And um, I remember one of the first guys that, when we first were practicing that, we said we were practicing with the guys in our little uh, church family, our gospel community, really. And um, so one of the guys that I did that with is a guy that I spent a lot of time with called Luis. And we just were chatting. You know, every time we were chatting, I would just, Helping to kind of identify some of those things, you know, where do you know what you're looking to there? You know where you're trying to find yourself in there? Do you, do you, do you realize that's good? And, and now he, the great thing is I've helped him to be able to find now he can see not only his own story, but in other people's story, those movements, um, which is, I think has been really good. And he's helping a whole load of young guys now who, who have come from messed up backgrounds and things and. And he's able to help them as well. So, I mean, it, it's been good. But I think possibly for me, you know, the, the, definitely that they're, once I've got the idea of where, they, where they're going for, for, you know, where they come from and what they see is not, is messed up in their lives, then I'm looking at them for the key thing. Where are they looking to now, you know? 
Um, so, and that is the key. We're looking for what is, what is it? Who or what are they putting their hope for redemption yeah. or restoration? Like my life would just be awesome if this were to happen. Because That's we know it. if it's yeah. not in Christ ultimately, and our hope for our provision and our identity and our value and all that, our li- very lives is not in Christ, then it's just on shaky, r- weird ground. And we're going to move. We're going to move blame around and. That's why we, you know, we talk about spiritual freedom and relational peace that comes. Mm-hmm. So when you're listening this way, it's so much different than, because this is discipleship, right? Helping people move from unbelief to belief. And this yeah. is so very different than I'm just, I'm waiting for my in to transition to like a four spiritual laws conversation. It, it's yeah. so different than that. It it's is. actually, you can actually speak good news. What, what examples, anything coming to mind where while you were listening this way to people, you, you felt like, I know exactly, I think, where I need to go next. Not, and, you know, there again, we're not trying to close the deal in every conversation, but any yeah. examples come to mind where you go, man, yeah. that really paid off with this person? Well, there's one that's actually, I'm just in still in a process of conversation with this guy, and we haven't got so far yet, but... Um, there's a guy called Miguel Ankel who was Christine's boss in her academy, my wife's boss. And, um, what's an academy? Could, uh, like an, uh, sorry, an English academy, kind of an English school that she was oh, at. Okay. Gotcha. So, so she was teaching there. And this guy, we met this guy through that. And he, he started coming out to the story of God with his wife. And then in the, after the first or second week, they rang us and said, one of them rang us and said, we're not going to be able to come and some stuff happened. And they didn't go into it at all. And then, so we met separately. She met with his wife and I met with him. And basically it transpired that he said, look, I'm out of this marriage. I don't want to. So, so I was able to get a chance to sit down with him uh, and have a meal with him and said, listen, let's have a meal. And, and I just said, just tell me something about yourself. But I, I don't know so much, you know. And as I was listening to his story, I was able to help him identify um, how the whole time he's been looking for uh, his significance in achieving things, you know, in his work and stuff. He's come from Mexico and he's in kind of, so the Mexicans here are kind of like a bit, they're, yeah, they're just from there. They're not really, the, so he's kind of tried to establish himself and everything in his work. So what we were able to do was just to say, do you realize here, you know, you're, you're actually looking for those things to give yourself your meaning, you know, and to give yourself your, your identity and your significance as a person. Um, but it didn't come out kind of straight away like that. Literally, he spoke for an hour and I was just listening and listening and listening until the right moment was there. And then I asked him a couple more questions. Um, and at that point, we were able to just, just, just sit down and help him work it through, you know, so... So now I've, I've got to meet him again because this was just before Christmas and then he went to another town to live for a few weeks. So I'm going to meet him again this next week um, when he's out of quarantine from COVID. So I think, yeah, and, and we'll carry on from there. But it was, it was just at the moment recognizing and helping him recognize what he was looking to. You know, he was looking to his business success. He was looking to, you know, be he when he talked about how he graduated from from his university class and he was was the best in his class and, and all those things what I'm thinking. Do to be, right? Yeah, it's be. it. It's due to be full on, you know. And so it wasn't hard for him to see it actually once I just said to him, have you ever thought about this? You know, 
Um, I was gentle with him, but just kind of just help him pick it apart. Um, so yeah, that's one of the, when you get to that point in a conversation, it is starting to sound like good news because the lights are coming on. And so when you say, but what if you found your identity in your creator? So it was not shakable. Yeah. What if he yeah. was your ultimate provision, like, you, you know, that's how we posture with not yet believers. Like, what if this were true? And it, to them, they're like, it's so good news. They're like, boy, I, I really, I want to believe that's true. Do you believe that's true? You know, it's such good news versus here's some religious stuff. I want to talk you into agreeing with and repeat after me. It's so different than that. And there was a reason that the gospel was called the good news, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I was into, so on the back of that, I was able to, to say to him, Hey, you know, do you know that what if you could find kind of your purpose and your identity in something more solid than that somewhere else? I didn't even mention God at that moment because I know he's come from a kind of, he's come from a sort of Christian background and stuff in there. And I just felt at the moment, not by the Holy Spirit, just to float it out there and not say anything more, you know, just, just pose the question. Do you think they could look somewhere else that you might be able to find it? And, um, and I thought afterwards, I thought, well, maybe I was, should have been stronger and stuff. But then he rang me up again and he said, Hey, can we meet again for real? So we, yeah. And then he asked me, he said, tell me straight up. He said, it's probably one of the early times I've had anyone say this to me. He said, so tell me, how did you get to know Jesus? <laughs> and I'm like, man, you know, so there's the chance, isn't it? Boy, it just teed story. up. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> the chance to tell your story and tell, and, and to connect some of the things that I, that I was looking to for my my redemption and, and my, my identity and to help him see that actually that didn't work out. And we, we crossed over on a couple of things as well in the story, even, even something recently for me that um, a few years ago, I was kind of like, um, I got really into kind of using my mobile phone for things and games when I was going through a tough time with my, when my mom died and stuff. And I just went into my own world and he'd gone in and he'd gone into that kind of, he also told me that about his story about how he got into um, social networks kind of in an obsessive way and stuff. And, and so we were able to talk about that and the difference that it made to know that actually, knowing that I'm loved and accepted by God, what that actually makes is my heavenly father loving me. Well, what, how, how that affects that and how that enable me to, to deal with that. So, you know, we touched through like three or four different places. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Wow. That is that sounds so much like good news. And something else that's important that you pointed out here is that as you were gospel listening to what was going on there, began to speak some good news and what about and hope into his life. Then when he asked you, Hey, why do you have hope in Christ? You know, how did you get to know yeah, Jesus? Yeah. Now we back up, we go, now I know how to tell my own story, my own testimony in light of yeah, that. Yeah which is going to make yeah. sense to him because it's what we're already talking about. Yeah. And that's the power and the beauty of how all this fits together. Wow. Definitely. And, and, it, and, and it, not only did it happen the four movements that he had in his story that we were able to pick a bond and help him see, but it also had the, 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 the connection points there and that, you know, that, that was similar. So, I mean, yeah, God, God was very good in, in giving me that, but I, I'm just saying, I don't think a year ago I would have been able to do that. You know, I would have maybe floundered a bit and, you know, just not being able to have it clearly because I didn't see the movement through of how our stories reflect the gospel. And what we often tend to do is then just revert to giving people good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We give them good advice or maybe it's good advice, whatever. But, you know, advice is always binary. 
I can accept it or I can not, or I can accept it, not act upon it. Good news, the gospel, helping people move from unbelief to a new belief, change with, there's implication, there's change there. Hey, yeah, the implication of me not having to prop up my own identity, self-worth, you know, all this, well, that might take a while for that to completely soak in, but right away, that's good news. Like, oh, off the treadmill, yeah. <laughs> the masks can come off. I get to be real with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're so loved. Yeah. You're so deeply yeah. loved. Yeah. And, and one, and probably before I would have kind of like, you know, been looking to give him the advice, maybe, um, we had a conversation about this this morning, actually, with with our church family group um, about the fact um, we were looking at kind of the story of Cain and Abel, and uh, and how you know the woman said, "Well, yeah, but if we want to be radically different, then I don't know how she got to this point, but she said, but if we want to be radically different, are we going to isolate ourselves from people if we're standing for truth the whole time and all this?" And I thought I can see where she's going. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, and so we just said, I just opened it out to everyone else. What does anyone else think? And, and my daughter, oh, it was such a moment of grace. You know, it's like my daughter comes out and says, well, you don't always just have to tell people what's right and wrong here and what, what they're doing right and wrong. Because that would have been the easy thing with this guy, Miguel Anthem. Just that, yeah. you know, a lot of Christians probably would have said, well, hey, we need to help him fix his marriage. Let's go and tell him, you need to get back with your wife. You know, but that's not connecting with God. That's not helping him to see how it can fit with God's story. And, and my daughter in this moment, it was beautiful. She just said, yeah, well, maybe we always talk a lot about listening to people's stories. You know? So she, she said, and listen to their stories and then helping them connect their story with God's story. And it was like, so beautiful. Cause this older woman who'd been a believer for like years was just receiving this encouragement and challenge in a gentle way from my daughter, you know, to say, Hey, listen to the story. You don't have to tell them. And she even said as well, that she said, and Jesus asked a lot of questions, you know. Yeah. Um, so it kind of ties in, you know, you ask the questions, which helps people to open up their story. And as, as they're opening up the story, then, then you're listening the whole time and, and you begin to see what they're putting their hope in. And then you can help to, at some point, respond by telling some of your stories. So, wow. Yeah. Now, you've dropped a little bit of breadcrumb along the path here. You're going through the story of God right now mm. in community. And, and you sounds like your daughter's in that with you. Beautiful. And how old is she? Yeah. She's 17. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So we, we're doing, we're actually doing it in two groups. So I don't know. I'm not sure I told you before about this. The, so we're doing the main group, which is for Spaniards who, who don't know anything about Jesus, really. Um, they're kind of just total the secular people we've met through English groups or through music and things like that. Um, and that one's like an evening group that we're doing. And, uh, we're on, we've done four of the sessions on that, but we were praying about what to do sometimes when we have our, uh, church missional community group order or a church group, yeah. and there aren't any other Spaniards there. Cause sometimes we have a lot of Spaniards, but quite often some of them aren't there. And if, and the, and we wanted to love the, the English people who come, there's an English couple who come and they, they can only speak English. So we decided to also start story of God with them, but in their language with only when there's people who speak reasonable level of English as well. And we'll do it in English with them. Nice. Um, and then there's so there about seven of us there today, which was good. Um, and, that, and, and that's beautiful. But the other group is, is the one that I was really excited about initially, even though both of them now are amazing. The, I mean, this morning was beautiful. It was just lovely, you know, well, but the other 
the the other group, you know, really a lot of them came from uh, from situations. Well, one this one guy, for instance, Jordan. He's yeah. he's the only non-Spaniard in there. He's from Ireland, and he came along and um, uh, he he was really kind of reactionary to everything about God. And we were like, so then we were listening to his story. I was listening to his story one time when he came to our terrace, and we were having an e- English evening, and uh, basically. He he said to me, you know, when I kind of worked out that that I had like gay orientation, then um, then I I began to kind of reject the church and God because I I didn't think I'd be accepted there. Yeah. So then this guy. So then we've invited him, and um, just before Christmas, he came to me and he said, "Hey, this is beautiful." He said, "We," he said. I never would have thought I'd be doing what he calls a Bible study. He calls the story of God a Bible study. Well, it is to some extent. It is, really. Um, but, but he said, I didn't think I'd be doing that, but you know why I did this and why I'm doing it? And I said, tell me, tell me. And he said, because when I came that English evening and, and you listened to me and you, you understood me and, and you treated me like family, which is really interesting because that's where we go back to always, isn't it? Yeah. Um, then, then I said, how can I refuse an invitation to come and be part of something which, which talks about life together? So he, that's what encouraged him to come. And a lot of the other people, they're basically, I think, they, they see themselves as our extended family, really. All these people, they come to our house a lot. And, uh, and so it's just an actual thing, really, to say, hey, should we just add something to our food, which is looking at the story of God? You know, It always so, seems like it's going to be the crazy hard thing to do. And I've never found it to be hard to transition to. No, no. I mean, when you first said that, I was like, really? It might be a challenge, I think, to do. But actually, it was, it was pretty easy because we were already doing what you suggested telling stories a bit in, in our time. And when someone actually told a story, even though it wasn't like a, we didn't have to always ask them to tell a story about their life. But when they did, we said, oh, it's great. We just underlined it. Hey, it's great to hear people's stories, isn't it? You know, and just get the idea of storytelling as part of the, the DNA of the group, really, that we're meeting with there, you know. And it was just a group of friends and people we know from English, things and uh, yeah. music. And, and then we invited them just to come. And, uh, you know, quite a few other people said, I can't come on that day on the Fridays. It's a bad night for me. Are you going to do another one? Yeah, yeah, we'll do another one. Don't worry. We'll do another one in the future. Yeah, but, no um, kidding. Yeah. You can totally hear in what you're experiencing, what you're sharing here today, how listening in light of the gospel, even to everybody's just, as we're getting to know each other in their story, they're feeling heard because of how you respond. You're looking for empathy and you're looking for brokenness and you're looking for, oh, wow, they're putting their hope there and I, I want to give them a new hope. Sure. And so they feel very accepted. And there's this whole thing about being known. You know, when we get to tell our story and people don't try to fix us in the moment or yeah. one up it's well, well that's nothing on one time in our life you know when we feel known and accepted think about scriptures people come to jesus lord lord he goes but i never knew you right yeah. well it's not that he didn't know them it's like you never made yourself known to me you never brought your heart to me or like the woman at the well like hey come meet a guy who, who taught, knew everything about me when uh, we yeah. feel heard and we feel like part of the family I've just never seen it a hard leap at all, at all, ever. And we've been doing this a long time all over the world to go, yeah. hey, let's start learning this story because this is a story that we find our own stories in. It's all yeah. super connected, isn't it? It's really, it really is. connected. It is. 
but it takes time. I think that's one of the things to underline, isn't it? it you can't just do this as a kind of like, oh, uh, once every month we'll have a program time of listening to people. You can't do that. You've got to. No, it's lifestyle. Got to be a lifestyle. You know, you, you've got to say, hey, we're here for these people. Because I always remember someone saying about children. You know, when you have children, you can't always say, right. We're going to program in the, the family time when you have to tell us everything that's bothering you. It has to be at this time on a certain day. And if you don't, then you miss it. No, so you, you respond. It's natural. That's, and that's what Jesus did. He always taught, didn't he? In, in the situation, somebody came up and he just addressed it. And um, It wasn't a for program me, for Jesus. Uh, it was his life. And I'm only saying what I've heard my father say. And this so means yeah, this yeah. is who I am. You know? Yeah. And he came seen, out of his identity. He him, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was who he was and, and how he lived. It's liberating to do that because even going back to you know the story, instead of having to say, hey, now I have to tell someone a quick answer and I have to fix their lives, this, this, you don't get, yeah, you, you just take it, you just see how the Holy Spirit's leading you, you know, and you're just saying, Father, what's next? You know, what's next again? You know, and, and, and you go with that. And so that's like some of the times I felt, no, it's not the right time to actually um, to, 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 to take them on to the next step. It's just listening. This is just a listening that's time, right. you know? Um, now, we think it's always like, you know, I remember growing up, I used to feel horrible if there was any kind of opening and I didn't like run into it and, you know, pull out a crumpled up green booklet, you know, and all that. And yet look at how often Jesus is not going to the end game with people. He's mm -hmm. talking and he's listening, right? And he's being who he is, showing them what the father's like. Yeah. It's interesting. His first miracle right at a party. So, you know, that always flips us out. He's, yeah. he's making hundreds of gallons of wine because he's trying to help reframe their head around celebration. And if you don't understand my dad if you don't think he's a celebrate, you know, celebrates, right? You know, yeah, and all that. Yeah. And yet he didn't make the wine because here's what we would have been taught to do growing up in the church. Here's. Here's the, well, first off, we wouldn't have made wine, you know, <laughs> we'd have been like prudes about it. But then if we did, it would have been like, so let me tell you why. And it would have been a little sermonette. He just did it. Yeah. He just blessed. He listened. He watched what was going on. He knew the culture. He knew that that would be a blessing to them, that they would trust him, that they would feel blessed. And, and it was a generosity of that, you know, the wine stewards like best wine. Why would you bring this out now? We've been three days, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, you think how many of the, I don't know if you've touched on the rhythms with this group of guys here, but, yeah. you know, you think how many of the rhythms are in there, you know, he, he's, he's celebrating, he's blessing, he's listening. Yeah, he's having a meal, yeah. He's eating with them, you know, it's like, it's pretty much all there, you know, um, and and that frees you up, frees you up from like the program kind of approach or the have to do this now, you just, yeah. You just learn, you know, to walk, walk with God there. And I'm not saying by any sense we've learned it all, you know, we're still right, really novices, but um, it's just You guys great, are basically. doing great. And and the level of freedom that, that you and yeah, Christine yeah. both have now, I can, you know, I can smell it. I can taste it. I can smell it. You know, hear it. Beautiful. Now, one last question here, or, or maybe, I don't know, we'll see. Because this is lifestyle and you're just learning to listen this way through, you know, through the movements, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Yeah. How's that changing your own personal relationships when you're not thinking about necessarily everything's discipleship? I think, I think we're always mm. exceptional, mm. but like between you and, and Christine or you and your kids or other yeah. family members, your parents have been visiting and all, 
How's that come to play just in the normal everyday relationships as well? Sure. I mean, I think it all ties in with all of the other stuff that, that we've been learning with you, you know, instead of whereas before, maybe, I mean, we kind of got a bit of this a bit because we'd read your book beforehand. So we got a bit of it, but you know, since we've been on the last year and a half, two years, it's really helped us just to, instead of trying to fix the problem or respond when something was bugging one of the other people or whatever, you know, instead of that, we'll, we'll just sit, we'll look for the moment. We'll be listening for the right moment. Um, with each other a lot better, I think, than before. Not perfect, but yeah, listening for the right moment. So saying, Lord, is this the right time to even talk about this? You know, and then in that, if it is the right moment, instead of trying to give an answer or correct or something, we'll just be questioning each other about. We kind of develop that language of you know. So what are you what what are you believing about God here? You might be like, God, or about her. Yeah. Or about me right now? What do you believe or about, about me? Yeah, thing? yeah. What are you believing? You know, and and. and in one sense, that takes it away from it being a kind of a personal attack or being perceived as a personal attack. Because we're just saying, hey, we're just, just chat it through together. Hey, what's going on here? Yeah, what, 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 yeah. what do you, yeah. I mean, you've got to choose the moment. The best moment isn't when someone's really hormonal. I've got to work that out. But, you know, so that, that's one of the things, just getting that language into your thinking and that approach into your thinking, that again, frees you up from having to, fix the problem or yeah. give, uh, you know, give an answer or, or correct someone or whatever. It's more about, yeah, you know, let's just chat together about it, you know? Wow. Um, so that, that for me, I love know, it, brother. God was a really good listener and you can see it if, when you start paying attention in, in, in throughout scripture, both in the old Testament and then in Christ really asks a lot of questions and listens mm -hmm. and, you know, it starts out in the garden. Where are you? Right. You know, and with yeah, where's your yeah. brother with Cain and Abel, you know, it, that's the heart of God. It's discovery. It's, it's trust. It's like, trust me, where are you? You know? Yeah. So that's, that's really what I hear you articulating there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. Basically. And it's a journey and we're learning still. And I, I want to be better in it every day, but, <laughs> but slowly I think I'm learning a bit. <laughs> well, listen, man, thank you so much for a little bit of your time today and sharing your heart and story. Uh, I know I'm listening and I'm picking up some stuff too, and I'm learning. And it's also, it just encourages me to, to continue to work on being a better listener and being, you know, the intentionality that we get to have around listening to the big stories, but also the small little, like, Hey, how's your day going? Oh boy. Through those lenses of creation, yeah. Yeah. redemption, recreation or restoration. Yeah. We get to, and boy, it's so different that I'm waiting to get my in. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. No. Thanks. Thanks so much for that, brother. I really, I really appreciate your time. And I know this will be a big encouragement for everybody. So thank you so much, man. Thanks. Thanks All right, Susan. brother. I could not be more encouraged right now. What a beautiful story. And what a great example of the simplicity and power of a life lived on mission where everything is part of discipleship and it all naturally flows out of the life of their family and community with others. Again, you don't have to move to another country to experience this. And in fact, it's much easier to live this way when you're already part of a community and a neighborhood or the context where you know the language and local culture because you're a part of it. You can do this too. I know you can. And I hope Terry's stories here have encouraged you to get started or to keep going. Okay, 
it's time to give you the big three takeaways from today's topic. So if nothing else, you don't want to miss these, and you can get a printable PDF of this week's big three as a free download so you can discuss it with others or be reminded of all this. You just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash B-I-G, the number three. Now, here are the big three for this week. Number one. Just like our personal stories follow the patterns and themes found in the story of God, so does everyone else's. Even smaller stories that make up our everyday life, stuff from work or parenting or a trip to the mall or on vacation, whatever those stories, they all follow the same pattern of creation, fall, redemption, and recreation or restoration, whatever you want to use. Like We like to use both, recreation or restoration. So creation, fall, redemption, recreation. Our stories and everyone else we know have stories that are ultimately a part of God's bigger story that is still being written. Number two, all of these stories, the big life stories and the smaller stories that make up our lives and relationships, all offer an immediate and powerful way to listen for opportunities to speak the good news of the gospel into a person's life and circumstance. See, the gospel addresses all of life. And when we practice this gospel listening, we can grow in our ability to address others' circumstances from a gospel perspective. And that, that'll that be good news. I promise you, it really will. It'll sound and feel like good news to others. And number three, here's some practical to get started. Think of at least three people from among your friends or spouse, children, siblings, fellow students, co-workers or neighbors that you can practice gospel listening with. Engage three people today or this week in separate conversations. Nothing big or crazy, just normal everyday conversations. You're going to have at least three of those. And then ask a few questions about their day or life recently and listen, like really listen. You don't have to try and fix this person or evangelize them. Just right now, practice listening to what they say through the lens of creation, fall, redemption, recreation. You'll be amazed at what you hear. (laughs) I promise. And let me leave you with this quote from Carl Menninger. He says, listening is a magnetic and strange thing, a creative force. The friends who listen to us are the ones we move towards. And when we're listened to, It creates us. It makes us unfold and expand. I love that. Yeah, just want to leave you with that. think it's cool. (laughs) All right. Well, time's up for today. I hope you'll join me next week as we're going to talk about our discipleship needs get to, and I think they really are, holistic. Not just addressing what we traditionally call spiritual things or sin management or churchy stuff, but a holistic discipleship that speaks into and transforms every area of our lives. I'm going to try to expand your thinking on this a little bit, and I think you'll see how it even maybe fits into what we were talking about just now. Well, I can't wait. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 